0: Many years ago, uh, my wife and i well actually, I was in, in a, uh, my my friend and I we were bodybuilders, and he was in competition and I was actually preparing to be in competition and He had a big show in Chicago that we were preparing for at mr midwest Con- um, conference and um, so uh, we were planning to be there we were working pretty hard to get him in shape and all that good stuff and so he left and went, and then the day before us, and then we went that following night, like a Friday night, uh, to the Palmer House in Chicago, Illinois. I don't know if it has been down there, whatever. Things have changed quite a bit. It's actually pretty nice now. At the time, it was a little bit seedy kind of an area in Chicago. And so we took our little car there, and I noticed that on the way to Chicago, our car started to spit and sputter. I thought, what in the world's going down? I looked down, and there's a little switch there to t- tell you what the temperature is, is, is hot or cold? And it was running almost red line and hot. I thought, oh, no, we're in trouble. By the time we got, we were almost there. So we just pulled in, and um, the, guy, the, the car begins to overheat. The guy goes, just pull your car over to the side. Just pull it to the side. And um, I said, okay, we'll do that. And we went inside to take the show on and the festivities and and to see our our buddy win. And so we went, and um, the whole time I couldn't think straight because my car that I had no money to fix, I had no credit card back in the days before there were cell phones to call anybody. I didn't know anybody, and I hated to ask anybody for help anyways on top of it and it's just sitting there and i'm thinking i gotta get this car fixed so i can get home so at intermission actually we saw him but at intermission we ended up leaving i said let's just go i gotta we gotta fix this car paid a lot of money to get into the palmer house you know to enjoy it but we had to go so we go and the guy goes hey yeah yeah you come here come here he goes you gotta get this car out of here i can't be parked here all night i said yeah i know we're having trouble with the car i said he said we gotta get out of here so i pulled the car out and um I just literally just went right outside of the the ramp area and parked in the street, got out of the the car, popped the hood, wanted to take a look at what was going on. And I noticed that the fan, there was an electric fan that was supposed to keep the the, uh, radiator cooled, wasn't running. And I thought, oh, no. So we shut the car off. And then I let it cool a little bit, and then I opened the radiator uh, cap to look inside to see how much fluid was inside. Well, I could see all the way to the bottom of the radiator. How many knows you're not supposed to be able to see all the way to the bottom? There's supposed to be some green stuff in there called antifreeze. Well, there was nothing. It was just bone dry. And so I don't know what to do. I'm I'm a kid. I'm about 21 years old. And so I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to call. I don't even have, I don't know if there's a phone to call anybody. And so... um, I get in the car, and she goes, Pastor Robin says, well, what, what do you think we're going to do? And I said, I, I have no idea. I said, I'm going to figure it out. Maybe walk to a gas station, something. I don't know. And she goes, I know what we're going to do. Now, granted, I was not serving God at this time at all, completely backslidden, away from God. And my wife was pretty hot for God. She was actually on fire for the Lord and going to all kinds of meetings and stuff. And so she goes, I know what we're going to do. We're going to trust God. And we're going to we're going to speak over this car. And this car is going to run perfectly all the way home. And then she said, and what we're going to do is we're going to give God praise all the way home as if it's running perfectly. And I said, woman, you don't understand what you're talking about. You don't get it. This car ain't going anywhere. If we make it two blocks, we'd be lucky. She goes, nope, we're going to do it. We're going to we just put it together, put the hood down, and we're going to be just fine. And all we have to do is just confess the word of God over it, and that's it. So she's now, grab my hands. I don't want to grab your hands. She said, grab grab my hands. I said, I don't want to grab your hands. She goes, just pray with me. I thought, well, let's just get this over with, right? Get her get her fine, and I'm going to walk somewhere. She goes, all right, now repeat this prayer. For me. And she had me repeat this prayer of faith over my car right our car to get us home now our home is an hour and 30 minutes from chicago we lived in rockford at the time so we were long ways from home and and so my mind's going there's just no way this is not going to work And she's going we're going to speak it and it's going to we're going to speak it we're going to declare it and it's going to happen in jesus name so she said all right repeat it so i repeated the prayer with her right and then she says okay now start the car i started the car she said, now, here's what we're going to do. Every block that we go past, we're going to thank God that we got one block further than we were. I said, girl, you don't have a clue. I'm thinking, I'm going to let her understand. We'll, we'll do this for two or three blocks. We'll stop, and then I'm going to try to get some help. And she said, now, and then every, every stop sign, every light, every, every, when we pass something, we're going to give God the glory that he gave us that ability to get that far. And I said, all right, whatever you want to do. So we get a block. She said, say praise the Lord. I said, I don't want to say. She said, you say praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. She said, all right. We get past another couple of blocks. She goes, I'll say hallelujah. I said, I'm not saying hallelujah. I'm kind of irritated. She goes, say hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Just a mocker. She said, all right. Now we're a little bit further. Now we're about, about a mile down the road. She said, now say thank you, Jesus. I said, well, thank you, Jesus. And then she said, now, now we're about five miles away. She said, say, praise the Lord. And I said, praise the Lord. And then she said, now say hallelujah. Now we're about 10 miles away. I go, hallelujah. Now we're about 15, 20 miles out of the city. And every time she said, say praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, next thing you know, I thought, this is, this is the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I said, I'm going to test this thing. So I started downshifting, no lie, she'll tell you. I'm downshifting this thing and just throwing it as far as, you know, RPM revving up and just passing cars and dropping it back in the fourth gear and going as fast as I possibly can. That car never, ever, ever ran so good in its entire existence that we own ever. I was like in a 911 Porsche. Come on, y'all. I was having the time of my life. I'm passing cars and this. I'm going, look at this. I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And we get all the way to our house. We pull in the driveway. We have the shotgun house, long driveway, garage at the end of the driveway. And I'm just just flabbergasted. And she says, wow, that was incredible. I said, I have to admit, that was uh, pretty amazing. So I turn the car off and we go to the house. She goes, you know what? you probably should go ahead and drive the car up to the garage because in the morning they're they're saying it's going to snow, so we're going to have to shovel the driveway. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, right. So I'll pull the car, get it out of the way. So I jumped back in the car, started the car back up. I drove it 15, 25 feet, whatever it was, to the the garage door. And when I got to the garage door, the car went (laughs) and completely overheated. All I know is when she was in the car, everything was working properly and fine. But oh, Mr. Doubter, come on. <laughs> the car completely overheats. I mean, if you know anything about cars, that's an absolute bona fide miracle of God. Somehow, some way, God honored that faith. By how he did it, that's his business. Angels, I don't know how it happened. All I know is God did it. The title of my message this morning is Faith That Produces. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We honor you this morning. We give you the praise and the glory. We've worshiped you. We've glorified you because this is about you. This is not about me, King. I thank you for using me, though. I thank you for your touch upon me, your anointing upon me, but also upon your people to hear your word, Lord God, and their lives to be forever changed. As this changed my life, let it change theirs, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the church that believed it, said amen. And amen. Well, last week, I laid out for you what I felt God was doing in the new year, 2022. And unfortunately, we weren't able to be here, um, but we did it from home. I felt like the message was great. Matter of fact, one of my prof- prophet friends uh, had called and said, man, that was the, the word of the Lord. And I'm not saying, again, to brag, I'm just saying I'm thankful. He says, I'm sharing this with all of my uh, prophetic network. So that thing's going out to people and it's a blessing. As a matter of fact, he's the one that called and said, I thought Pastor she called right is her friend. I thought Robin said, you know, fast pot. And he said, I couldn't believe what she would just said. He said, Y'all are liberal up there in Wisconsin, praise God. So but um, anyways, but um we, we thank God for that. So I talked about Um, this being a year or not, shouldn't say that, a cycle of testing. In other words, God's calendar really starts, his new year started in atonement in September, October, and then runs to Passover, and then Passover back to atonement. There are two cycles with God in the new year. And so and, and taking it from a biblical perspective, um, I, I share with you that I don't believe that we are entering into this cycle of testing. I believe we've been in the cycle of testing. And if we really get in, in, into this thing, I think we could take this back to 2020 as we have been in a place of testing like we've never been in before in, in American history, in our lives in particular, but in, even around the world. Because this is a worldwide global thing that's happened. And so we're all kind of in this and figuring things out, trying to navigate to say, What is God saying? What what are we hearing God say uh, throughout these months, right? And so we talked about this being the cycle of testing, and people, my wife said, I was hoping you were wrong. (laughs) She goes, I don't want to be any more testing. It's not like that. And the revelation that God gave me was out of Genesis chapter 22, being the year 2022, uh, Abraham uh, was told by God to take your son, your only son, and get, make him a sacrifice unto me on Mount Moriah. We talked about what Moriah means. We talked about the mountain. We talked about uh, Abraham making the preparations. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But um, not to rehash everything, but to let, to let us know that he was, in, in the Bible says, and God tested Abraham to see what he was willing to do and what he was willing not to do. Remember when God, gives you the test, he's your biggest uh, cheerleader. He's the one that he's rooting you on because he's the teacher, right? Remember, it means God, God is my teacher. Mariah means God is my teacher. And so he's the teacher. He's wanting you to pass the test. And so I said, you're much more prepared to take the test than you think you are. The test is just the, the means to the end. Or the ends of the main, but so that you're able to take it so that you when you pass it, there will be a reward that comes as a result of that. So, any type of testing that we're going through is because God wants to bring us great, great reward. Uh, I also talked about the fact, well, maybe I didn't get into this totally, but 22 is two 11s. 11, 11 is, makes 22. In 11, if you remember me preaching, you're around here and you heard me preach this. And 2011, I talked about how 11 means chaos in disorder, which nobody wants to hear. Again, nobody wants to hear. Here. But the fact of the matter is is that, that sometimes, I, uh, if you remember me, I preached in a, in a large bird's nest. And I preached from the bird's nest and I talked about the eagle's nest. And I talked about how that the mama eagle will stir the nest up and begin to make the nest an uncomfortable environment. Once provided comfort for her, for her eaglets, now uh, it's, it's, everything's been exposed. The feathers are gone, all the, the soft places are gone, and now the sticks are sticking up, and it's no longer comfortable for the eaglets to lay. And then she puts them on the edge of the nest and nudges them off the nest. While the eagles are trying to hang on for dear life, the eagle, the eagle knows that if she doesn't get those eaglets out there, they'll never learn to fly. So sometimes God will stir things up with chaos and disorder. Not that He brings it, but He will use it in order to get you and I to fly. Somebody say Amen. And so we, so in talking about that, we're talking about again that I think that chaos and disorder has a lot to do with us being tested to see what we're willing to do and what we're willing not to do. Then, as I'm ministering this uh, online last week. It was by revelation, I believe. Spirit of God just put it in my spirit. Could it be that we've started this testing period before, and by this year, 2022, by Passover, we will have passed the test or passed over the destruction and moved on into the promised land or into our promises? Now, that's a whole lot to swallow. And I really want you to go ahead and and, and and watch the episode if you didn't get it. It's online uh, on Facebook. You can check it out if you haven't seen it yet. So it's all about... Um us being prepared, I believe, for it. So then he says this in Genesis 22. He says to Abraham, he says, um, he says uh, uh, he uh, he's going to take his son's life. Of course, we know that whole thing. He's believing God that he doesn't have to do this, but the right at the last minute, he's he's I'm trusting God no matter what. So it's also going to be a year of trusting God no matter what it looks like. Then the angel Lord stopped him and said, "No, angel, uh, uh, Abraham, you don't have to do this. God has seen your faith today." He said, look over yonder. And he said, when he looked, he saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. He said, that will be your sacrifice. He said, and this day, he said, the Lord, watch this, Jehovah-Jireh has spared you. Jehovah-Jireh means the God of provision or the Lord who shows or reveals the provision. The provision shall be seen or revealed. In other words, the testing was all about getting you to the place of provision. God wants to bring reward and provision to his people. Now, here's the revelation. Okay, God isn't going to provide. God isn't going to provide. God has already provided. Because when Abraham was up there with his son, the ram was already caught by its horns. The thing It was already there the whole time. It's not a matter of sitting back waiting for it to come. It's a matter of taking possession of it. And God told Israel to possess the land. Remember this? He said, go in and possess the land. The problem was there were giants that were on the land. But he said, go in and dispossess the possessor, which was the the giant, and you go in and possess the land. So God's going to lead you to a place of promise. The unfortunate thing is there's something called spiritual warfare. We're going to have to fight to get the victory. It was the promised land that flowed. The Bible says with milk and with honey. In other words, a land that was sweet. It was where God provided all their needs. It was a sweet place. Now in warfare, uh, you know what? What do we? What? What do the conquerors receive when they go into warfare after they've won the battle? They they receive the spoils of war. Everybody say the spoils of war. So the spoils of war already existed. It was already there. You just have to possess them by defeating your enemies. In other words, provision's already been provided for. The problem is the enemy, Satan, doesn't want you to have them. But it's already in existence. And today, we don't fight in the natural, but we fight in the spirit. How do we fight in the spirit? We fight by faith. The Bible calls it the good fight of faith. Good fight of faith. If y'all say it, say it with me. Good fight of faith. It's the good fight of faith. So in other words, I'm not going to fight the devil by putting him in a headlock and popping him one in the nose. That's not going to happen. But when I go in the name of Jesus Christ... And I'd make my declarations like we did That she did that day. It was her faith that day over our car. Ain't got no choice but to follow through, right? There was a reward in that obedience. But when you don't do that, amen, you'll be defeated by your enemies. You can never take possession of the lamb. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1 says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay? Let's look at the Amplified Bible. It just amplifies that scripture, the meanings of these words. It says this. Now, faith is the assurance. It's the confirmation. It's the title deed. Everybody say title deed. In other words, I don't have to prove I have my property. I don't say, uh, well, I I own this uh, piece of property uh, and want to come see it. I don't have to show you or bring the property to you. All I have to have is the title deed. All I have to have the words on the paper. Uh, Y'all didn't catch that. All I have to do is have the contract, the words on the paper that gives me the legal right to say I own this property. Well, you've got something called the Bible, which God had written down for you words on a contract, a covenant. Come on, church, that you don't have to prove to nobody that it exists. It does exist because it exists in the contract. So faith is an assurance, it's a confidence, it's a reliance in the fact that you have a title deed of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving, say perceiving. Perceiving. Faith perceiving is real fact. What is not revealed to the senses or the natural senses, my, my eyes, my nose, my ears, my touch, my taste. I can't prove it to nobody yet, but it lives inside me. And the fact that it's in here and I believe it, it's going to manifest itself. The day will come. I said the day will come. Well, I ain't going to just talk about it no more. It's going to be in full manifestation. And I believe 2022 is about to bring some faith manifestation into your life. Somebody shout, yeah! Yeah. Come on! So again, everything you need has already been provided. Can you understand that? You say, man, I'm broke as a joke, though. I ain't got no money in the bank. That's because that's what you believe. But if you know you serve a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, a God who says, the gold is mine, the silver is mine, says the Lord. A God who says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. A God who walks on streets of gold. Come on! Then you know there's really no shortage if your father... The Bible says it's his good pleasure to give reward and blessing to his servants. Owns it all. Come on, how much more? He said, watch this. He said, You're heirs to him and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. So everything you need's already been provided. That's why the Bible says to call those things, speak. Call those things that be not. As though they are. Now, let me just, let me get, we say we, you might not understand what this means. We say we do, but we're not. Here's what it is, is that when we call things that be not, it's like we're speaking about and talking about things coming into our life that be not. It doesn't exist in the natural world as of now, but I'm not talking about the way I'm living now. I'm looking from the place, like he told Abraham, I'm looking from the place I am to where I'm going. So in other words, God's requiring that we call, we talk like heaven, we talk like him. We talk in terms of where we're going. Call those things that be not as though they were. Talk about, it's a different type of language to talk about things that don't exist now, but we know exist here. And this is what manifests those things. All right, let me say it again. He teaches us to call those things that be not as though they were. Why? Because they are. Faith reaches beyond the natural realm and into the dimension of the spirit where God has already provided everything that you need. He said, "I'm Jehovah Jireh. My provision shall be seen." What about Jesus? I'm just going to give you a few examples. Jesus and how he is um, uh, told that uh, to come to um, heal Jairus because uh, he was had fallen sick and they said was dead. And he says he's not dead, but he only sleeps. They laughed at him. He's now he knew the heart had stopped. But he's calling those things that be not as though they were. He's teaching them to look and to live on another level. Live and talk your expectation of the outcome. His expectation is I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. When I show up, he'll come alive. He'll be raised from the dead. He knew this. So he's talking about another level where God has already provided what Jairus needed. Jeremiah is another great example of this where Jeremiah is reminded by God not to be afraid of those he calls to prophesy to. He said, don't say you're just a kid because he's a kid. He said, don't say you're a young man, you're too young. He said, if I've called you, he said, then you've got my word inside your mouth. Don't be afraid of their faces. Speak what I tell you to say. He said, furthermore, I want you to know something. I knew you before you were ever in your mother's womb. And I, watch this, and I called you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before you ever existed on this planet, I already provided the calling, I already provided the ordination of everything you'd ever need. I put it in you. i am preaching pretty good. That's what 22.7 pounds will do for you right there, praise God. Ah. Bible says this is the day that the Lord, past tense. Past, didn't say this is the day the Lord will make. This is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad. Before you got up this morning, God knew everything you needed and already made provision for it. The servant of Elisha, There's another great example of this, and they—he wakes up. Gehazi wakes up in the morning and sees the armies, uh, the enemies of Syria surrounding them. It's just him and his master, Elisha, and he wakes Elisha up in a frantic and a panic. And says, we got to get out of here somehow, some way. Look, at, we are being surrounded by our enemies. They're going to take us captive and probably kill us. Master, what are we going to do? Oh, master, what are we going to do? How are we ever going to get out of this problem? And he's fretted and he's worried and he's filled with anxiety. And Elijah says, chill out, man. Enjoy your coffee. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. What does he do? The Bible says this. He says, Lord open his eyes that he may see what I see. And God opened his eyes and what did Elisha's servant see? He saw, he saw the angel host in fiery chairs surrounding both him and Elisha facing toward the enemy. Come on, y'all, being completely protected. The angels were there the whole time. Gehazi, I just couldn't see it. The ram was there the whole time. Abraham just couldn't see it. Now, how about this? How about Jesus? When Jesus uh, was walking by the field one day and and he looks over at the harvest, and uh, the field, and and he looks at the disciples and says, hey, uh, he says, "Um, what do they say? Uh, Four more months than the harvest? He said, no, don't say that. It was springtime. Four more months than the harvest? He said, no. He said, lift up your eyes and look again, for the harvest is already white. It's already being prepared. It's already been dried in the field. It's ready to be harvested. In other words, he's trying to teach them to live on another level. Your harvest is already in existence. Not talking about the natural. Talking about the supernatural. That's why he told Joshua when they uh, were to take the king uh, in the kingdom of Jericho and it looked like an insurmountable Uh, Odds against them. And and we're talking about a a wall that was surrounding Jericho and this ragtag bunch of people just up out of Egypt going to take control of that city. How were they ever going to do such a thing when that wall around them, they used to race chariots on top of it. It was at least uh, uh, 50 to 75 feet deep, this wall. People lived in the wall, in their apartments. That's exactly the truth. Like Rahab, we find that to be true with her. Amazing, right? Completely fortified, completely shut up, and God says, I'll put the city in your hand. I've already given you the keys. Now, watch what he says. He says, see this day I've already given Jericho into your hand. See this day the kings bow on their knee to you. See this day your triumph over Jericho. He was commanding him to look beyond where he was. and and looking toward the vision where God had called him to and then speaking and seeing and speaking and speaking and seeing what? The expected end, what he expected from what God had promised. Everything you need has already been provided. Your victory over your health has already been provided. Your victory over your bills has already been provided. Your victory over your relationship. Come on, church! First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine and 10 says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared. For those who love him. But God has revealed them. He doesn't leave us in the dark. God wants us to know what's going on. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. But the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things uh, of God. So how in the world do I tap into the things which God has already prepared for me and has already prepared for you? I tap in by faith. I use my faith. I make a determination that this year I'm trusting God. I'm believing what His Word says. I don't care what it looks like. I'm not backing down for nobody. If God says it, then I simply believe it. Come on, y'all. Look at this. A part of winning, a part of getting to victory is walking in faith and the start of it is talking in faith. If we're gonna walk in faith, we're gonna have to talk in faith. To live on another level will require you speaking on another level. Y'all don't catch that because I read your your Facebook unfortunately and I get bummed out because I'm thinking, my God, when will they ever learn to start talking the way God talks? Why is it you have got an expectation for things to go wrong all the time? Why is it you air your dirty laundry every chance you get so I, can, so I can pity you and feel bad about you? How far does that get in life? When have you ever say, seen me on Facebook telling me how bad life has gotten and all y'all just pray for me and I'm just having a heart? No, 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 no. i pray for victory. I'll pray for circumstance. Of course I do. But you'll never see me complaining. Do I have stuff to complain about? Yes, I got stuff to complain about if I want to. I'm a human being like you. Sometimes I want pity too, but I know that's not my answer. Come on, church. If I'm walking in faith, then I got to talk in faith. If I'm a walk in faith, I got to talk in faith. And we have too many people (laughs) talking about the mountain and not talking to the mountain. Talking about their problems, but not to their problems. Talking about their circumstance, but not to their circumstance. Amen. We have the three Hebrew boys Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Word of God. These are real people. This is not children's stories. These are not good little uh, allegories. These are real people that existed. History tells you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were, of course, they were, they were, they were Jews that were, had been captured in the, in the Babylonian system. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar had erected this great, uh, this great idol of himself and said that, you know, three times a day when you hear the lute and the harp play, the psalm, psalmist play, he said, then I want everybody to bow their knee toward my idol and image of myself. And then they told him, look, uh, it, King, it would be good for us to also put in the law that anyone who doesn't bow the knee will burn in a fiery furnace. He said, let it be so. He stamped a seal of approval on it. They built this brand new furnace, brand spanking new. And, and so anybody who wouldn't bow, they wouldn't dare not bow because they would, they would burn. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made up their mind. We only bow our knee to one, and that's the living God. That's it, no more. And so they were found out that they, were, they wouldn't bow three times a day. They were brought before the king. They said, look, he said, I'm going to give you a warning. You don't bow. That's it. You're going to go in that fiery furnace. Start, matter of fact, start stoking that furnace right now. Let them get a little feel for what I'm talking about. They started stoking the furnace and they said, no, we'll never bow our knee to you before we bow our knee to the living God. For God is God alone. And they said these words. They said, God will deliver us out of your hand, O king. It doesn't matter what you say to us, how you try to intimidate us, we're gonna do what God wants and if God has the ability to deliver us out of your hand, O king, and the Bible says that they threw them in Actually, they stoked it seven times hotter, threw those men into that fiery furnace. And the Bible said the only thing that got burned were the things that held them in bondage in the first place. The things that held their arms and their feet together were the only things that were burned. And in other words, they were set free in the fire. And the king looked at and said, wait, I thought we threw three men in there. But there's a fourth man in the fire, and he looks like the son of God. you got to learn to speak On another level, even in the midst of of, of being tempted to bow your knee, Uh, I could go on for a while right there, to what the world wants, to what the world has to say. But even in the face of that, I'm going to still live out what God says. And they spoke what they believed because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and said, God will deliver us. How about David, and he's out there, and he's going to feed his brothers on the line with a, with a little bit of lunch, and they were, they were all in warfare. Well, he thought they were in warfare. When he got there, there was a massive giant that was standing in the valley. Philistines on one side, armies of Israel on the other side. Now everybody's shaking in their boots because this, this, this uh, Philistine uh, warrior giant was hurling all these accusations and cussing out the, the, the armies of the living God and saying, saying, you send your man down here. If I defeat him, you bow. If he defeats me, we'll bow. Let's just settle the score right here and right now, right here in this valley. And no man stepped forward, not even King Saul. But David said, give me a shot at him. I'm going to suffice to say, because I brought the story up last week, but I'm going to say this to you. What he did was he got down, he got five smooth stones. He got what was accustomed to him. He got his slingshot. He went down they said, how is this kid going to take out this giant? But he'd already killed the lion. He'd already killed the bear. He had been prepared for this day. And therefore, he gets in the valley and watches before he ever, ever attacks the giant. Before he ever slings one stone toward the giant. What does he say? He says, hey, you. He said, God will put you into my hand today. He said, I am going to kill you today. And I'm going to feed your body to the fowls of the air. And all you up on that hill are going to bow your knee to the living God. And he throws that one stone and hits that giant in the forehead and takes him down and then he runs to him. Watch, he want to finish the battle now. He don't just assume he's dead. He takes the giant's sword and cuts the head of the giant up and holds the head up like this and everybody shouts on top of the ridge and come running down in the valley and the Philistines now have to become subject to the armies of the living God. Wow, based on the way he spoke, that Rock had no choice but to leave an imprint on the forehead of that giant and take him down because he spoke it into existence before it ever happened. What are you speaking right now over your life? Are you still complaining about what's going on in the world? Or are you actually taking control of it and speaking the very desired outcome you want to see? I wish I'd get two or three people in this place would shout, Yeah, shout, Yeah. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. The natural non-spiritual man will talk you out of your destiny. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about them. They will too. How about you? The natural, when I say man, I mean I'm talking about universal men and women. Uh, the natural you will talk you out of your destiny. Why? Because that old person that you were before you knew Christ is corrupted. Is corrupted with limitation and lack. It only sees survival of the fittest. I've got to survive. I've got to make it. That means I'm gonna put a footprint on your back. I'm gonna make it somehow, some way. It don't matter how, I, but I'm gonna get there because I gotta get there before you. Because there's there's only so much we can grab. There's only there's a limitation out there, so I can only, I gotta be the first one in line. I gotta be the first car in the drive-through. Y'all don't want to talk about that. Praise God i got to be first because there's always going to be a shortage. That's a lie. There's no shortage. Not even this earth. I'll prove that in Scripture in just a moment. But not even in the earth. It's, it's all a big lie to drive everything up to make us competitive with one another. So that what happens? So that we begin to fear. Of fear, so the old man who we were before that we knew Christ is always in fear. It's corrupted because it always thinks lack in limitation, and because of that, that old person wants to speak that way constantly. And when you when you start to see yourself getting away from the Lord, when I talk about that, maybe not walking away from God, but I'm saying that, but you're maybe not in your word the way you should. That's why we're fasting right now. We're getting back into that place of the word and prayer and and, and telling the flesh no. And we're going to say yes to you, God. That's what fasting and prayer is all about, right? I'm doing that. We're doing that. Why? Because we're trying to get closer to him because that old man wants to always creep up and and tell us a fearful story and get us to believe that story so that we're always trying to be number one. I've got to be first. I've got to be first because I, I might not make it if I'm not. Church, don't let anyone talk you out of what God says you can have period, yourself or others. When God said the promised land is yours, this is yours for the taking, they said, well, well, let's go spy out the land, probably a smart thing to do. So they sent 12 leaders from each tribe, 12 spies, to go into the land to spy out the land, and and they came back to give report. And the Bible says 10 of those leaders came back and gave a evil or a bad report to the elders of the land of Israel by saying we are not prepared. There are giants on the land and we are like grasshoppers in their sight. This is a no-win situation. We might as well pack it up and just find ourselves to have a good piece of land right here and do the best that we can. But that's not what God said. But two of them by the name of Joshua and Caleb Joshua came, came back and the Bible said, but they had a good report. And the Bible says that they said, yes, we saw the giants, but we are well able. We've been prepared for this day our whole lives. If God be for us, who can be against us? The bigger they are, the harder they'll fall. We can't miss a man. Did you see those grapes? Did you see those those properties? Did you see those homes? Did you see the land that flows with milk and honey? This is the promise of God and God will fight with us and God said those two had a good report. Notice you only remember two people's names out of 12. Joshua, Caleb. I can't even think of the other 10 spies' names. Right? Right? Why? They were the ones that had the good report. What's a good report? When you speak what God speaks. When you speak what God says. When you speak where God's taking you. Not where you're at currently. I feel like you're either tired, hungry, or you're lost. But here we go. So where does faith start on a practical level? And I pointed this out because I believe it's a part of this year that we're going to have to get involved with. Faith starts on a practical level in your preparation. In your preparation. Preparation brings manifestation. Let me say it again. Preparation brings manifestation. No preparation, no manifestation. You can believe till the cows come home. Faith is works. Faith isn't just believing. Faith is believing so much that you put your sweat into it. You work toward it. You get prepared for it. Is that all right? That's the word of God. So preparation, where do we get that from? Well, we find that with Abraham. Remember in 22, year 2022. We find that in Genesis 22, where he does what? The Bible says, and so Abraham, after he heard God, prepared the fire, prepared the implements, prepared the wood, prepared the bindings. He prepared the sacrifice, trusting and believing God that he would not have to sacrifice his son, that God himself would come and stay the hand, his own hand. This is what he was trusting God for. Of course, we know it came to pass. He was walking by faith, but it all started with preparation. Preparation. He was making the necessary preparation. You want to start that new business? I'm sorry. All the believing in the whole wide world, all the dreaming about it, all the thinking about it, all the, 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 the wondering about it, all that's great and fine. It has its place. But until you get prepared for it, start doing the work of it, you'll never have that business. Same thing with a family. Same thing with anything. Praise God. It's what God sets forth. Where do we get this from? Well, Elijah is, is a man. The Bible says he controlled the weather. This guy had power from God. And so uh, God said that because there's sin, I'm closing up the heavens. He's now speaking, declare. So he speaks that the, it would not rain on the earth again until he spoke. This is what it says. This is the power God had. It will not rain on the earth until I speak again. And so he waited to hear what God had to say next. And God then, some years had passed by. There was a famine in the land. It was terrible. People began to repent. Things began to happen again. Um, and so he said, all right, we're going to let rain happen again. I want you to prophesy that rain will come on the earth. He said, but not until you tell Israel to go out into these fields and start digging ditches. And once they have dug the ditches, you prophesy and I'll send the rain. Why did he say that? Because what's the use of having the rain if it just goes right into the ground? The ditches were gonna provide wells that catch the water. Come on, somebody. So they had to get prepared Prepared for what God was promising. And it took some sweat and a little bit of backbone. Come on, somebody. And some muscle to get that done. The Bible also talks about the fact that God was going to send a rain, a rain and a flood to the earth. But not until He said to Noah, Go and build an ark. And the Bible says in the New Testament, the Bible says, He said that. Uh, it says that. And so Noah went and prepared an ark for the safety of his family. Preparation over the 100 years of building that ark brought the manifestation of the rain in the first place. And if we take that story a little bit further in Genesis 8, 22, 22, this was a promise given to Noah after the flood and he had given, uh, after he would given his offering to God. It says this, while the earth remains, watch this. Is the earth still remaining? Are we still on it? So far, right? Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Winter and summer, your seasons, your ability to put seed in the ground and grow a harvest. He said, and day and night, you're going to have always have a day and night. says, what? watch this, it says, shall not cease. So God gave Noah a promise because you prepared yourself. I'm telling you, no matter what it looks like, if the earth is remaining, you're always going to have seasons. You're always going to have seed time and harvest, and you're always going to have night and day. This is what's so good about it. This is what's so good. What looks like devastation doesn't mean it's over. The whole earth was destroyed with devastation of flood. Your marriage may seem devastated, but it's not over. Your finances may seem devastated, but it's not over. Your health may seem devastated, but it's not over. Your dream may look like it's devastated, but it's not over. Start preparing for your breakthrough. Come on. You're waiting on God, honey, but God is waiting on you. If I can get anything through the body of Christ, that's what I've grown up. What God was going to do. No, God's not going to do it. He's already prepared. He's already given you the provision. He needs somebody to walk by faith and not by sight. Speak like he does to manifest it. (laughs) Genesis 9-1. So God blessed Noah. He empowered him to prosper and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, he'd have never said that had he not given him the provision to do it. He'd have never said that had he not believed that Noah could do it. He'd have never said that unless he gave him the power, the blessing to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What I love about that, after devastation, God says, I'm giving you a brand new do-over. Who needs a do-over in your life? From time to time, we need a do over. We may not deserve it, but God will give us the do over in His His grace and His mercy. I believe that there are times, again, that God will allow difficulties in our life to stir you up, to force you not to lay back and accept your circumstances. Don't settle, church. Don't settle. That's probably too many people, they just settle for things in life. Don't don't settle. Fight. Fight with faith. There's a reward for those who fight in faith. There's victory for those who prepare for victory. If you get prepared for it, it will come to pass. Even with Job, and he didn't see it happening, but he'd been prepared. The Bible says he was a man of prayer. But when his his body got afflicted with this disease, whatever it was, that caused lots of pain and agony in his body. The theologians believe it was probably about an eight or nine month period. He was going through a really tough battle, so bad that, I mean, they tried to get him to curse God and die. And he said, how can I curse God and die? He's the one who gives life. I will yet praise his name. I, I don't care what it looks like, what I feel. He still deserves my praise. But what he went through, that testing period that he went through, not that God was testing him but that through the test he was still giving glory to God. It was preparing him for what? The Bible says that at the end when God healed him the Bible says that God gave him double for his trouble. That's not what the Bible says. That's my vernacular. But God doubled everything that he had lost. God said I'm not going to give it back to you. I'm going to give you restoration. I'm going to give you restitution of the things that you've lost. He gave him double. Church, I, I don't know about you but I'm in line for some double in my life. I ain't ashamed to say it, praise God. And when I get it, don't get jealous. Hallelujah. Let me make this statement. There's a dynamic in the demonic. There's always something of value. There was a fourth man in the fire. There's a dynamic in the demonic, there's a deliverance in the dilemma, and there's a fantastic in the failure. No matter what it looks like, what you've been going through, God can pull something beautiful out of it. He gives ashes beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. He makes the desert to bloom again, the Bible says. This is exactly what Moses was up against. I'm done. but This is exactly what Moses was up against. When he, was, uh, he couldn't go any further and he led them out and there was nothing but a Red Sea and he's thinking, my God, Lord, I did what you told me to do, and now we can't go any further. And here comes the armies of, of Pharaoh coming to take us captive or kill us. And they begin to complain against Moses. You brought us out here to die like dogs. At least we'd have stayed in Egypt. We'd have had some, we'd been eating tonight. And, and been fine. Now we're we're being threatened, being killed. And, and he said, God, what do I do? And God says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now take what you have in your hand and stretch it over this Red Sea and speak to the Red Sea that it opened. And that's exactly what he did. And the Bible says they went across on dry ground. My point to you is this, is that they were in a major dilemma, but God provided the deliverance. When it looked like all hell had come against them, it looked like there was no way out. That was the moment of their deliverance in their dilemma. And the same is true when Peter uh, goes, and I am finished this one. Peter goes, I promise on this one. Hallelujah, one laugh. I promise. Peter. Um, and so, and, and the Bible says that, Jesus predicted and said to him and said, You know, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. But no, I, I'll die with you. He believed this. He didn't just say it, he actually believed it. But when it came to the temptation of taking the easy route or the hard route route, route, route he said, I'm not gonna do it. And he said, he, he he ends up denying his Lord. You can read the story, the whole account's awesome. And how he denies it, and he goes, goes out and he weeps bitterly, the Bible says. Because he knows what he has done. He remembers the words of Jesus. He's denied the Lord not once, but three times. But what I love about Jesus is that when he died and was buried, and he, was, he rose from the dead, and, and he's walking the earth, and he, he uh, right at, the, right at the, the, uh, the, the garden, he runs into the, the women and Mary and Martha, and he says, go tell my disciples and Peter that I have risen from the dead. In other words, I haven't forgot about my Peter. I still love him no matter what. He's wonderful. He just made some mistakes. I'm still for it. God gave him a do-over. Jesus gave him a do-over because he knows the heart. So if you've not been speaking the way you need to be speaking this, this this year so far, you get back on it, praise God. God wants to give you a do-over. Don't condemn yourself. Come on. You can do this. Somebody say amen. It's time for us To get our faith to start working for us. And the way we do it starts with the things that we say. And if you can't get that, it's because you like the dilemma. You're too into it. You like the drama. You just got to be real about it. I hate it. Yeah, it's a love-hate thing. But the more you talk about it, it's only proving what you really is in your heart. And when you believe him, I'm telling you, you'll watch and see God change everything. Quit using terms like this always happens to me. This always, these, these terms that are, that are they're, they're fit forever. You know, I can't ever get out of this situation. Oh, I know. I've been doing this a long time. I hear everybody say it. It's, it's, and I say it sometimes. And I catch myself, no, oh, no, no. Don't talk like that. That's not who you are. This is not, that's what the devil wants you to be, but that's not who you are. Amen? Start talking about God always comes through. God always causes me to triumph. I'm always victorious. I'm a winner. Always. I win always. I might get knocked down, but I'm going to get right back up again.